Shut up and sit down. with me this week. We're going to have a political conversation. I know that's that's different for me, right? I never talk about politics. But we're going to have one from a perspective of two reporters who work for the Washington State Wire. If you're not familiar with this website, go to it. Washington State Wire. Um, I really appreciate the depth of information that they provide and the depth of the reporting that they provide. So it's one of my favorite websites when I'm looking for actual information and not necessarily entertainment. So with me, these two reporters tonight are Sarah Gensler. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you. And Emily Berger. Hi, thanks. Okay. And uh, thank you for being here. I know it was a trek out from the big city out to the, <laughs> the boonies to come to Carnation and record the show. So thank you for doing that. Did you have traffic problems coming out? I came from Olympia. That's where I'm based and where I live. Uh, so no, no traffic from my end. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. Now, my daughter lives down in the Portland area. And so sometimes there's no accounting for that traffic glitch you know going sometimes I think really really there's this many people around Olympia but it, you know so I mean. and what about you Emily no the drive out here was great beautiful sunny nice good yeah. good 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 and this is just your your day off right I mean you're gonna get to go uh, tour the the valley before you head back I wish that was the case it's so beautiful out here I'm sure I'll be back at the capital after this yeah back to writing <laughs> yeah, yeah well and it's some of that writing that we're going to talk about now I originally contacted um, you Sarah because I ran across an article one of my little pet peeves and those who listen to the show know that I have a number of little pet peeves um one of my pet peeves is the issue that came up, I believe, last session, but it might have been the year before. And they wanted, the legislature got this idea that somehow or other they wanted protection, that they wanted more privacy, and they wanted things done in quiet. And they kind of had the idea that this would be a grand thing. And I kind of read that and went, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was the whole idea of being, you know, a public legislature is that you did things in public and not in back rooms. And um, anyway, so you guys covered that story, a story on that. So mm-hmm. give us some background and then bring us up to speed on that particular issue, would you? Sure. So I covered the session last year, covered this issue when it was kind of first percolating and it kind of stems from a lot of things, but when the... Uh, the media, a coalition of media, had um, asked the legislature for, you know, calendars, information, records, basically public records, and the legislature came back, and most legislators did not give that information or give those calendars or anything like that, and so the coalition of media sued the legislature, and a judge ruled last year that the legislature needs to comply with the Public Records Act and turn over these records. Wait a minute. Do they know who they were talking about? That they were talking about the Washington State Legislature? Did (laughs) they know that when they made that rule? (laughs) Yes. And so following that, um, the legislature put together a bill, basically that would exempt them from the Public Records Act and kind of carve out a couple exemptions, but overall just kind of make it so that they weren't didn't need to comply with the Public Records Act. And the bill was introduced. It had a quick work session 24 hours later, went to the House and Senate, and basically from the time it was introduced to when it was passed on the House and the Senate floor, it was about 48 hours. Mm-hmm. And so then it was I'm sent shocked. off to the governor's I'm office. So shocked. <laughs> I'm shocked at this. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> so they just passed it. Boom. Exactly. Right. It didn't it didn't actually become law um, right. because there was quite a there's quite a bit of outrage about it publicly. Um, I think it was was it 14 newspapers, mm-hmm. uh, several newspapers throughout the state ran front page editorials, which is uh, rare. And um, and I, what was it, 19,000 to 20,000 people reached out to Governor Inslee urging him not to sign the bill. Um, and ultimately he vetoed it. Um, so that just leads to uh, now that the legislature appealed the court case and it is pending um, in front of the state Supreme Court. We don't know if they'll take it or if they'll uh, move it to the 
uh, an appeals court instead. But that's where we're at with that. But Emily was around too when they then put in place this uh, public records task force, this joint task force of 15 people, um, some representatives of media, eight legislators. There's um, two from each caucus in the legislature, uh, a Washington coalition of uh, the Washington Coalition for Open Government representative and three members of the public, I want to say. Some public <laughs> representation. <laughs> very there. carefully selected public, I'm willing to bet. <laughs> <laughs> um, and can you tell the background of why the task force was established? Sure. So when the a bill from last session was passed in um, both the Senate and the House and went to the governor's desk, like Sarah mentioned, there was a lot of uproar about it, both publicly and from you know editorial boards. And so before Governor Inslee signed, um, a group of a big group of legislators sent him a letter basically saying, you know, I think you should veto this. Like, we've heard the feedback from our constituents. We agree this was not done well. Um, I think you should veto it. Um, they also agreed to set up this task force in the interim to hopefully have these meetings to kind of figure out some common ground. And no, maybe- they're not <laughs> figuring out common ground. They're figuring out how to get this thing passed the way they want it. <laughs> and if they can just stretch it out and do it under the guise of a, of a committee or a task force, then they all oh, so much the better. Then they can pretend that it was all wonderful and above board. Oh, wait a minute. Did I say all that out loud? Am, am I sounding jaded? <laughs> well, I think the purpose was hopefully to come up with some policy recommendations of maybe how this bill could be better or how they could find some common ground, uh, which was, I think, the intent of the task force, which then Sarah has covered the meetings since then on what actually went down during those those meetings. Yeah, but if, okay, and I want to ask you, Sarah, about yeah, that, of course. those meetings. But just even the way you said it, you know, they wanted to uh, have this task force so that they could come to common ground, blah, blah, blah. Why do they need the common ground? Why do they... F- feel the need for this level of privacy and protection to start with what on earth led them to believe that what they do in olympia shouldn't be under public scrutiny i mean that this notion that well we have to figure out how to tweak this thing so that we can get it through no why do you even need it you shouldn't even need that in in my view yeah i think the common argument so the public records act that they're saying they uh, should have The the bill that they created was actually, I think, called the Legislative Public Records Act, meaning like their own set of regulations for public records. Um, But the PRA originally, um, which was started by a citizen initiative and passed, I think, with at least 70 percent of the vote um, in like 1972, I want to say, um, that applied to agencies. And part of their argument is saying legislative like legislators aren't agencies is what they're saying and part of that argument goes into like it's really expensive and really time consuming to take all these requests it's really um it they want to protect citizen information so there's like they have some argument on that side um but then there's also the the argument that no you are essentially agencies this applies to local governments this applies to um pretty much just not the courts. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. so um, and, and, yeah. you know, what they do as individuals does have an impact. I mean, I was just listening, I forget what show it was yesterday, but I was listening to a show where, one, you know, two of the, the high-ranking officials in Inslee's uh, um, staff uh, who make $300,000 a year between them and who have a beautiful home in Olympia somehow or other managed to buy a low-income condo in um, Bellefield. And that created a big brouhaha, you know. So, you know, and they've resolved it, you know, in whatever way they're, I guess they're going to sell it or something. But but the fact is they did that as individuals. If those records weren't available, the public would never have known about that. So by saying, well, we're individuals and we should be protected from the same requirements as agencies, that kind of flies if you're the corner drugstore or the newspaper carrier. But I don't see that it applies when you have that kind of power and clout. Well, also, not just as individuals, but I think they were saying that the legislature is a branch of government, not an agency. So similar to they were saying judicial branch doesn't have to comply with the PRA as written. They were saying we're a branch as well, not an agency. So Uh, not just as individuals. Potato, potato. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 This is the debate. (laughs) The the, the, the term clutching at straws comes to mind. So, okay. So now I kind of detracted Sarah from you know what what's happening most recently yeah no um so over the course of 
the interim between last session and this session, they've met, they met four times. There was, I think in every session, there would be experts who presented on, say, constitutional uh, rights to public records, what other states are doing for public records, um, what legislative privilege is, that sort of um, expert uh, testimony. And then they would have work sessions, and or I, guess, I believe they called them moderated discussions, something mm-hmm. like that, where they had like somebody from the Ruckelhaus Center kind of moderate their their conversations. And eventually, they came up with their final report, which I would recommend reading. It's not that dense. <laughs> um, and the final recommendations they came up with are eight, I believe. And I have them in front of me, but they're pretty broad. Uh, and the piece that you're referring to that you um, originally saw on the wire, uh, what my take on that final report was the recommendations and um, the report itself was just that there were some pretty uh, um, stubborn divides um, (laughs) between the people on the task force. (laughs) (laughs) um, There was actually an agreement. One of the agreements that they came to was that they agreed to disagree on one. And one was, that one is, there's a need for, for protection of the legislative deliberative process. That's the kind of broad recommendation we're talking about uh-huh. but the sky is blue we could all agree on that um so then the they couldn't agree because part of the task force wanted them to add um beginning with the existing deliberative process exemption in the public records act and adding narrowly crafted exemptions as needed so, so you can probably guess who's on that. what side yeah they couldn't agree to add that yeah. um which i think is pretty Good. Uh, I think that's good. I, I think I, I think it's pretty uh, indicative of the divide that that they yeah. had, which is like. But but yeah. what amazes me is why do they think they need more than that? You know, why do they think think that they need something even broader than the original public? You know, I mean that was comprehensive. It was designed for everybody. That's the argument I think too that there's something like. I want to say 500 exemptions already worked into that over the years. Yeah, why do they need um, more? Yeah. And I know that they had talked about the exemptions, and it seemed like there was just not a lot of clarity on what exactly those exemptions were. So some of the legislators during the task force expressed concern about, you know, I want to protect my constituents. They send me emails with personal information. And as far as what the exemptions that are that are already on the books, there just wasn't a lot of clarity. And yeah, so, but you know what? Have, have, has, has any of you in the last... 20 years. I I can remember 20 years. You guys can't. Uh, I mean, have we ever seen a huge, huge issue where somebody wrote their congressperson and that wasn't protected and, oh my gosh, it created a huge problem for that that citizen? Never. I've never heard of such a thing. Yeah, I don't know. Many, yeah, I don't, I don't I mean, know. For creativity, I mean, they really are. You know, they're really trying to figure out how this can be justified by protecting their constituency. I, I think, you know, it's like, boy, I got to give you props. You know, I mean, uh, uh, of course, we were having a discussion bef- before the show about my views on, you know, the language and everything. You know, it's always about serving the public when, in fact, no. You're not serving the public. You're using that word so that you kind of think we're ser- being served, you know. Um, and I see it the same way with this. You know, I mean, I think that's just, uh, what do they call it, a red herring? Or is that only with something bad? Anyway, I don't <laughs> see, I, I cannot recall a single incident where some citizen has been hurt because of writing a letter to his congressman at, that wasn't protected as, as privileged information. I, I can't think of any time where that's ever occurred in my memory, mm. and I'm older than dirt, so I can remember pretty far back. And I want to say, not um, again. I don't have a ton of historical context here, but maybe Emily, you can confirm. I want to say that legislators were mostly operating outside of the PRA anyway before last year. Is that right? Right. And yeah, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I know that the PRA was made by initiative, like you mentioned, in 1972, and then language was added later that kind of changed a couple definitions and made it so that the legislature wasn't, was kind of already exempting themselves a bit from the PRA. And so that's how they kind of were able to say like, no, we're not turning over our calendars when the media asked all the legislators for that information. And so it was then that the media sued because they were like, no, you've kind of been operating outside of this Public Records Act and now we're going to, you know, bring it to court. 
Well, and, right. you know, as a, as a person who, you know, worked as a journalist for a, a number of years, good. That's the function of journalism, to be the watchdog for these kinds of things that tend to run out of control and spin out of control. And um, I've got to say that, you know, a lot of times I, I will hear of people who get in arguments with uh, attorneys or they, they have a lawsuit and then they decide to stiff their attorney. And I'm thinking, really? Really? An attorney who can sue you, who knows how to take care of it, and it, was, it won't even cost him a dime to do so. That's the person that you're going to stiff for the bill? You know, how stupid is that? And I kind of feel this way about the legislator. You know, I mean, it, media, the media, really? <laughs> you know, the people who can be on the air and on, in the papers and in front of everybody in the entire state, those are the ones you're going to try to prevent from seeing your, you know, I mean, kind of a stupid move, really. I think they saw the backlash pretty, pretty strongly. <laughs> I think right. that's why it's not yeah. law now, right? Right. Yeah. But it's kind of indicative, I think, that you know, I, and and I'm not. I guess I am saying this as a criticism, but I'm not saying it as some sort of personal criticism. When you get into those kinds of levels of power, especially people who've been there for a few years, you just kind of assume that this is okay. You know, you don't see it as, as any particular privilege or level of power that's greater than the average citizen has. You just kind of assume that, well, this is just the way it is. And I think that a lot of times, you know, people who have, have been in office for quite some time forget that there's a different perspective, you know, to, to the work that they're doing. And I'm not necessarily ascribing, you know, le levels of evil to every single elected official, although I could. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I, I, it's just that perspective. You know, I mean, if you've, if you've never worked in a factory and, and you are, you know, president of the factory, you have a different perspective than if you worked in the factory and then got promoted to president of the factory. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's being able to see different viewpoints. And I think that for all of us, for human beings, that when we are looking at something or we're in a certain position for a certain length of time, pretty soon we stop seeing that there are different ways of seeing things. Um, and all we see is our way of looking at it. And it sounds to me like that's kind of what's happened in the legislature. You know, um, and, and so, okay, so what's the update on it now? Well, you know, we, well, yeah. you know what, let's finish talking about um, those eight points. If okay. you could just give us a synopsis of well, those eight points. You did, told us the one. Yeah, so the first one is the legislature should strive for greater transparency. Everyone agreed on that. Good. <laughs> um, so these have to, they had to be unanimous. Everybody, all 15 members of the task force had to sign off on these. Mm -hmm. um, there's a need to, there's a need to protect the right of privacy of individuals and their communications with legislators, beginning with existing exemptions of the PRA and adding narrowly crafted exemptions as necessary. Ooh. So, Ooh, red flag. So they um, agreed on the language there to add, to, to say they needed to start with the exemptions in the PRA. But they couldn't agree to that when it came to the legis uh, the deliberative process in the legislature, so okay. I think that's interesting. Um, I think essentially the argument from from members of the media, from anyone who wasn't a legislator, was so let's start with what we have and what citizens passed in the initiative in 1972, and let's let's add more exemptions if or clarify those exemptions if that's what feels like needs to happen. Um, and I think. In the letters that they could add, oh, I didn't even say that yet. <laughs> the, the final report, since they couldn't agree on some things, on, especially on that one that had to do with the deliberative process, uh, they allowed anyone on the task force to add an appendix, a, a letter, a page-long letter, oh. expressing their thoughts. <laughs> um, and I think that that was really um, indicative of how the conversation went, those letters, where um, most of the legislators were talking about how they have a right a privilege or um they would I mean it was it was a lot of like we had great conversation um I'm really grateful for this task force I still think we need like we need privileges um and then there would be from the media saying I <laughs> appreciate this or not I don't think any media members actually wrote letters it was uh the Washcog the Coalition for Open Government and then members of the public but um the most interesting letter I thought was from Toby Nixon, who's the president, I think president of Washcog, but at least in leadership. Um, and he said he was disappointed that he thought they were going to be able to roll up their sleeves and come up with something good and um, or something productive. I don't want to say good, something productive. And uh, he didn't feel like that, like that had happened. <laughs> so, OK, so they came up with this list. Now what? Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I don't know what policy can come from this list I don't 
Um, but I'm sure they'll refer back to it if anything comes up. I haven't I haven't seen any bills come up mm-hmm. related to exemptions or anything else. Well, um, usually there's a two or three year delay before they try to run things up the flagpole again. I think. <laughs> yeah. You know. Um, yeah. So watch for it in another year or two. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll come back. They never let it go. They're like dogs with a bone. They might bury it, but they know exactly where to find it when they need it. Well, it'll be interesting <laughs> if the Supreme Court decides to hear it. Um, that could really spark the conversation again, I think. Um, when, will, when will that occur? Do you know? Any idea? No idea. Um, I know it's been about a, a year since it would have been appealed hmm. Yeah. at this point. So I don't know what the timelines generally are, but... That's what we're well, at. Well, and then they can always, I don't know the ins and outs, I'm not a lawyer, but I mean, there are, you know, you take it to the, the state Supreme Court, but if it's a constitutional issue, would, you know, which I don't know whether this would, but you could, there's potential to take it even further, you know, to the hmm. federal Supreme Court, you know, if they don't like the answer. Yeah, I have no idea about that. Yeah, yeah. I don't either. Yeah. I know that they could also just send it to an appeals court and not hear it at the Supreme, state Supreme Court at this point. Yeah. Because I think they skipped the... I don't know. I'm not a yeah, <laughs> I expert, but that's so my understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I was talking with somebody the other day, another old old fart like me, and, and we were saying how, you know, people don't quite understand how our system works. And I think that, you know, back, like in my father's day, every student at, in school had a civics class. You learned how the government works. I don't think we do that anymore. I think we touch on it, but I don't think that we really focus at all levels and I know that I don't know it as well. And then I look at my children and I go, whoa, I know it a heck of a lot better than you know it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that we get in a lot of trouble socially because we think solutions should be this accomplished this way or why can't we do something like that? Because we don't really understand the insane intricacies of how our system of government works. Um, you know, it just, we don't get it. You know, it's difficult for all of us, I think. I think it's hard too. I mean, I am getting a crash course with my first session as a reporter in Olympia, where even reading about it is different than seeing it happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would agree. I think I've been um, reporting for the Washington State Wire for about a year and a half. So I reported in Olympia last session. And yeah, I think being there and seeing the, you know, the public hearings, the work sessions, the floor votes, the debates, mm-hmm. it's you don't get that from reading an article necessarily. You see the end results, but you don't see the process and that it's not as simple as, oh, they voted on this bill and now it becomes law. It's it's complicated yeah. for sure. Yeah. And it, and, and it was designed that way, I think, on purpose. You know, I mean, one of my, my pet peeves is when people say, well, we have to do something. We have to do something. No, because sometimes just doing something is a really bad idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that the cumbersomeness of our system was designed on purpose. So that you don't just do something that might have long-term consequences that are even worse than what you're trying to fix. It's so that things have to be really well thought out and really, um, you know, uh, agreed upon and, you know, really worked over before you actually pass something. And I think that's probably a good thing. I probably didn't think that when I was 20, but I do now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, interesting, interesting. Well, it's time for us to take a break, but I really enjoy this conversation. And the fact that you guys are down in Olympia, you know, I spent a couple of years as a lobbyist in Olympia. <laughs> wow, I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> interesting. What you were saying about, we'll talk about more some of that later. <laughs> After we come back from this break, you're listening to Heather Stark and my guests, Sarah Gensler and Emily Berger, both reporters for the Washington State Wire. And you're listening to Valley 104.9 FM. If you've been missing the progressive rock of the 70s, the eclectic music of the 80s, or interesting music from all of the last few decades, listen to Equinox on Valley 104.9, Friday nights from 9 to midnight with Ian and John. Open your mind. Let us begin our quest to find the new sound. Tune into Toasted Jam, Jam. Thursdays, 7 to 9. I'm Jungle John Adams, and I'll be your host and tour guide to the Pacific Northwest jam band and funk music scene. And at the end of the show, today in jam history, every Thursday night, 7 to 9. 
Toasted Jams, only on Valley 104.9 FM. Welcome back. You're listening to Valley Talk on Valley 104.9 FM. I'm Heather Stark, your host. And I, I, in case you haven't figured it out by now listening to the show, I love being the devil's advocate on some of these issues. And I love to see if I can create a little bit of outrage. So that's now you know my formula. Um, and I have with me two guests, and I'm looking for my notes. See, this, this is the hard part about doing this thing. I've got 85 pages of notes, and I can't find the right one. Here we go. All right. With me is Sarah Gensler. Hello, Sarah. Hi. And Emily Berger. Hi, Emily. Hi. And they are both reporters for the Washington State Wire, which I highly recommend. Go online and look up Washington State Wire. Comes out every day. Every day. Yeah, I yeah, publish every just, day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just get a little blurb. There's like five, six different little stories. You can click on them and read them in depth or just read a little bit. And um, they, I think I, they cover good stuff. I like them. Thanks. Yeah, okay. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're talking politics. We're talking Washington state politics. And we just got done talking about that issue where the state legislature silently in the middle of the night passed their their uh, legislation that didn't go all the way through to the governor's desk last year on uh, special privacy and privilege, uh, uh, kind of a closed door policy that they would get to follow. But that didn't go through. But they had a commission that talked about it or a task force and da da da. It's not going to go away. Keep your eyes peeled because it'll be back. All of those issues keep coming back. You know that. So now you're a little bit better informed about that when it does come back and you can express an opinion. So we covered that issue, but the issue that I want to talk about right now is the upcoming legislative session. Now, there's been, I think I read yesterday that so far in the session, there have been almost 2,100 bills that have been introduced. Now, we know that most of those will never see the light of day. You know, I mean, uh, and and now correct me if I'm wrong. I I did spend a couple years doing some lobbying down in Olympia, which was an interesting experience. I didn't do it enough so that I had to register as a lobbyist, but I was Hmm. lobbying, you know. And um, what's interesting to me is that a lot of these bills are introduced just so that the legislator can go back to his community and say, tried, I tried to do this. Yeah. (laughs) It didn't go anywhere. Not my fault. See, I'm working hard for you. Um, what have you guys seen? You're hanging around Olympia. What have you seen that we need to keep an eye out for that may actually get legs this session as far as new bills? Sure. So I'll take that one because like Emily said, I've, um, been, I've been there on the ground during session so far. Okay, Sarah. Um, but I, I also want to clarify or give the caveat that I am there for my first time. So I'm pretty like, uh, I'm trying my best to get a handle on it, but it's a lot going on. Um, so I don't think I have the judgment to say what has legs. <laughs> but <laughs> but I will say that people are talking a lot about um, the clean energy package from Governor Inslee. They're talking a lot about um, gun legislation, which was requested by uh, Bob Ferguson. They're talking about behavioral health and the transition to community care. They're talking about... Inslee's budget and the taxes that could involve Um, and depending on who you talk to they would call it different things whether that's an income tax or um, an excise tax yeah they would go with potato potato right uh, it just kind of depends capital gains tax depends on which party um, is talking about it Uh, the orcas of course people are talking about Um, Hillary Franz brought forward a plan for wildfire relief Um, so I would say those are kind of the big things happening. Something interesting uh, that I sat in on last week, there's something called the Long-Term Care Trust Act. Oh, that would that? That, that, that may fit my definition. <laughs> <laughs> so that would um, require Washington, people working in Washington, um, certain people who are working in Washington to pay 0.58% of their wages um, for a certain number of years before coming eligible, becoming eligible to um, pay for services through this long-term care trust. Um, for so it's another form of health insurance, but we'd pay the state for the premium? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, mm. And it's just for long-term care. So if you, if you can't do tasks of daily life, then you can use it to pay for things like installing a ramp into your house or having, um, a, let's say meals delivered or having care from a special 
specialized nurse. Um, so well, Meals on Wheels, and there's all sorts of organizations that already do that. So it's a it's a certain number. It's a limited benefit. I want to say you can redeem a certain amount over. But this would be paid lifetime. for by employees, not employers, or right, right. A new tax. Because we just started that family leave act mm-hmm. for the state, and employees are paying for that. I don't know if they're paying exclusively for it or whether employers are also kicking in a portion. It's interesting because this long-term care trust people were seem it seems to have momentum. People seem excited about it. I know that that's been in, introduced before, and this year AARP is um, supporting it, and last year they weren't, um, according to Representative Lori Jenkins, who I talked to about it. Um, it's things like that though are are going to be interesting to watch um, because I know that typically things that cost money aren't going to be. I mean, they're not. They're they're probably at some point going to they're going to face a little bit of. Uh, well, you know, concern. this is the thing that amazes me. I mean, there are a million wonderful things out there. I mean, if you if you look on a personal level, wouldn't you love to be able to write a thousand dollar check every time a wonderful charity comes to you? I mean, I write. I I have to pick. I I write my little contribution to the American Farmland Trust. Okay, I do that once a year because I believe that private, individual, small farms need to be supported, and so I write my little donation there. Does that mean I don't think that I should support Girl Scouts? Of course, supporting Girl Scouts is wonderful, but if I only have one check, I have to pick which one. For some reason, our government never does that. They're all good, so we have to write a check for every single one of them. Um, And that doesn't seem to be a terribly sustainable way to go about business. Um, I know even though our state is flush with money right now, it really is, we have an incredible debt. I was just listening to the state treasurer yesterday talking about the billions of dollars in debt that the state is under. As a matter of fact, we are the sixth deepest in debt state in the union. Why are we talking about that when we're talking about funding all these new programs? I, I don't get it. You know, I mean, is it the citizens' fault? Do we just sit around with our heads in the clouds thinking, oh, yes, that's good. Let's save that endangered species. Or that's a good program. Let's do that. I I don't understand how we got there. Help me out, girls. (laughs) (laughs) I think uh, I'm probably not, I'm not going to comment on that. But what I am going to do is follow Bill's session. (laughs) I'm going to report on Okay, fine. We'll see. (laughs) Wait another 25 years. Then you'll be be outspoken. (laughs) What about you, Emily? Any, Any comments along those lines? Well, I don't know. I don't know if I can fully comment. But I do know that right now, the state has a lot of money. And I think that... But we have this huge perkin amount of debt. Right. I, I'm and sorry, I'm, I'm sidewinding. <laughs> this just occurred to me. We were, we were talking before, and I'm going, okay, you want to talk about this? You want to talk about that? And I'm completely th- pulling this out of my hat, so they're completely unprepared for this. But it seemed to fit the, the, the flow of our conversation. And I did just hear it yesterday. I mean, I, I think the, the number was um, every man, woman, and child in the state would have to write a check for $21,000 or something in order to eradicate the debt that our state has. Mm -hmm. And yet here we're rolling in money. Why is nobody talking about this debt, you know? And I think there's a push also to talk about, you know, the economy's not going to be this great forever. Like, we need to be preparing for, you know, economic downturn or slowdown, you know? Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be an intense recession like we've seen, but Mm -hmm. it's not going to be we're not going to be raking in this kind of money all the time. And so that's right. another issue that's often repeated at the in Olympia. It's just like we need to kind of think a little bit more forward thinking, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, I mean, I think the government, I think we should hire housewives to handle our government. I really do. Because any, any woman who manages her family's income knows that no matter how good, no matter how much you want something, no matter how much it would be good to help that cause or whatever, you only have a certain sized pie and you have to be judicious about how to, to spend that. And if you use up all the pie today, you're not going to have any for tomorrow. And if you borrow a pie, you're going to be in big trouble if you can't afford to make two pies tomorrow. Okay? <laughs> okay, I've beaten that dead horse. But, yeah, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? And yet, for some reason, that philosophy, every household pretty much knows how to do that. But our government doesn't. Every cause is good enough for billions of dollars. Every project is good enough for all of it. And at some point, don't we have to say, wait a minute, hold off? I don't know. I just got on it in a swivet yesterday when I heard about that state, the state debt, when we're rolling in it, you know. I think there's still a lot of talk about McCleary too in Olympia and yeah. how they're gonna how they're gonna manage 
um, that within the budget, I think. Well, you know how they're going to manage it. They're going to roll over more taxes and uh, up the flagpole because they, they've overspent what they needed. You know, they're not, they're not managing it the way that would create a long-term um, solution. They're kind of like dumping a bunch of money at the top end, which means, okay, then we're going to be hurting for money, you know, down the road. Um, at least that's how I see it. So, anyway, okay, I'm not going to give you my email address. If you want to complain, it's heather.stark at, okay, just make it up. Um, but that's how I see it. I, you know, I mean, I just, I just feel like, whoa, people, you know, what, where'd this debt come from? And what the heck are we doing with this? Why, have, have you heard anybody down in Olympia besides the state treasurer who's talking about the debt, this massive debt that our state has? I don't. Not in the meetings I've attended, but I'm only one person, so there's a chance that, but I haven't heard any, you know. I haven't no. either. Huh. Okay, that's going to be my new soapbox is the state debt. Because there's no reason we need that kind of debt when we're rolling in money. Which, as you pointed out, Emily, is not going to be forever. It never, Nothing ever is. So at some point, things are going to ease off, hopefully just a little bit. Uh, but maybe a lot. You don't know. You know? And so, I don't know. It's kind of funny. Everybody has their pet issues and everybody wants to save the world. But maybe you just need to start saving your neighborhood first or something. Okay, I'm really rolling with these bad, bad analogies today. Okay, so what else is in the pipeline? What else are we looking at as far as bills that seem to be picking up interest? You know, I think there's going to be interest around anything that Inslee's already announced, like the public option um, for health insurance. I think the um, he also announced the college promise I, I mean, what else have you have you seen? I, I just don't know. I don't have the judgment yet to say what actually is going to go through, what I think is going to go through. Sure. I think we have those big issues or um, that are going to get a lot of attention. But as far as, as, far you know, mental health, things like that. But as far as the specific bills that are being introduced, I mean, there's so many already. It's hard to say what specifically has that traction and is going to be going to be moving forward. It's hard to say. It's still pretty early. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, um, okay. I think that uh, one of the things that I saw that's, that somebody has proposed that I thought sounded pretty good, uh, there was, a, I'm looking through my papers here, but it was something about, um, okay, no, okay, another senior moment. This is my second senior moment. I'm developing a reputation here. Um, <laughs> the, oh, I know what it was, the, uh, Governor Inslee's health care plan. What, yeah. are you, what are you hearing about that? Um, I don't think it's been introduced yet as a bill, or there's been no bills introduced as of last time I checked, uh, so there's not really much happening around it um, okay. in the Capitol yet. So but that is something that I'm watching it. for. I mean, he's talked about it. Obviously, he, he announced it, and he included it in his uh, State of the State, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that there has been any actual action on it yet. Yeah, without seeing the actual legislation, it's hard to kind of, you know, dive in and comb through and kind of see all the nitty-gritty details, but it certainly has got a lot of buzz when he announced it. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, how are we going to pay for this? But I, I'll tell you, a few years ago, before Obamacare came, became the thing, uh, our state had a wonderful health care plan. They basically created a group. You know, like you get your health care through your employer and that becomes a group so then the, the employer can negotiate the prices and the, all that kind of stuff. The state created a group and then people in the state who weren't insured otherwise could join that group for health care. And there were like two different, three different options of which carrier you would use. But then your premium was adjusted and prorated based on your income. And this, I, I, I thought that was gold. I don't know why they didn't do that for all states you know i mean i thought it was wonderful and of course it went away because it didn't fit with the obamacare thing so i was wondering when i saw this plan for insley from insley coming up i thought okay i wonder if that's going to be like more of what we had which i thought was great i thought it was gold i mean i i i know a woman who had several children she was a single woman she had you know lots of problems she paid eight dollars a month for each of her kids to get fully insured on that program and it wasn't medicaid it was insurance You know, it wasn't some specialized, down-scaled Medicaid kind of thing. It was full-blown insurance, and the state just compensated the premium. And you could even be on it if you weren't low-income, you know, and you you just didn't, if you were an individual 
Um, you know, we all know that if you're like a, an individual business owner, it costs you an arm and a leg to buy insurance. Um, but you could join that group, you know, so it became uh, almost like an employer pool um, that negotiated. I thought it made perfect sense. It was wonderful. Went away. <laughs> but, uh, it, you know, if, if Inslee's thinking of something like that, I'd, I'd, I'd get on that bandwagon. That sounds good to me. See, there's something positive. Something yeah, positive. Yeah, okay. so keep your eye out because it'll yeah. be interesting to see then. I'd, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. So, anything else that you can think of that's coming up, or at least so far? Let's see. Yesterday, I reported. I think there's bills in both the House and the Senate that are. Uh, well, the House bill was was heard this week, but the Senate bill hasn't been introduced yet. It was to change the statute of limitations for some felony sex crimes, which oh, has... Oh, yes! Um, so that is interesting. I mean, I'm I'm uh, just watching to see what happens with it, because I know it's it's been um, kind of contentious in the past, where it's almost gotten there, it's gotten narrowed down, and then almost gotten there. Um, so I'm watching that, but I, I have no idea whether to say that that's um, actually has momentum or not. I just know that the chair, I talked to the chair of the House and of the Senate committees that are hearing it, and they were both um, optimistic. Good. Well, I guess I only talked to Jamie Peterson. I actually heard um, Representative Goodman say it out loud in front of everyone. <laughs> I didn't talk to him personally. But it is, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with it, definitely. Good, good. Yeah, I saw that one too, and I thought, I'm, you know, I'm not sure how I feel about it. I have to study it. I'm not one of these that goes, oh, good, it's for sexual, so, you know, I mean, I'd want to look at it and say, okay, you know, because... You know, I want to look at it and examine it before I just say, yeah, I'm all for it. Because that's just the way I am, you mm-hmm. know. Because sometimes you think, oh, yeah, something that would do something about such and such. That's a great idea. But then when mm-hmm. you read the bill, you think, eh, wait a minute. How are they doing, you know. Uh, but right. on the surface of it, I, that sounds like it's really exciting. You know, I did an interview with two different state legislators last year who both introduced uh, legislation um, for sexual assault and uh, crimes, especially sexual assault against children. And neither of them went. You know, neither of the bills went. They were both optimistic that they would be able to go this year. Um, but the show that I did with them, the interview that I did with them was, why is it so hard? Why mm-hmm. is it so hard to get legislation passed that on the surface of it seems to be make perfect sense? And that was kind of an interesting discussion. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what that's for. Are those bills similar to the ones like last year? Because I know that there was one based on statute of limitations as well that passed out of committee and then just never yes. was taken to the floor yes. for a vote. Yeah. And yes. I don't know if that was a timing thing because, you know, there are deadlines to reach right. and, yeah. um, you know, a certain number of times. Yeah, but they can also prioritize. Bills, but they can prioritize. Ex- yeah, true. You know, I mean, that true. was the gist of my interview is, you know, mm-hmm. if this had been a priority, mm-hmm. it would have gone through. So why isn't it a priority? Mm-hmm. So it was an interesting interview with the Definitely. legislators. Uh, and getting their perspective, you know, on, on why their bills didn't didn't go through. So I, I suspect that that one on the term limits is especially for children. Um, in, 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 anyway, that was an, an interesting interview. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay, so anything else that you can think of that's coming up that we ought to be keeping our eyes open? You, you know, know I'm like sure to put there out is. A pitch for League of Women Voters. You know, League of Women Voters online, they often do in-depth reporting on different issues, not candidates, of course, but different issues. And if you're trying to search for information on different things, different, you know, they don't cover them all because they obviously can't, but uh, searching for information on, the, on some of these, these uh, bills and stuff, you can sometimes get a, some pretty good background from League of Women Voters. Um, and... You know, you have other resources where people can go if they want more information. You know, I go to the the, the state website, the legislative district website, and it's kind of cryptic. You know, you have to kind of click click links and da da da. You know, and then it gives it a little synopsis, which is helpful, but then it doesn't really go in depth. And then they give you the whole bill, which hello, I'm not reading that. Yeah. Um, so, is there any other sources? Are there any other res- resources you can think of that uh, people can go to to learn more about what's happening? I would recommend going to TVW. Mm -hmm. Um, They air committee meetings. They do shows like Legislative Week and Review. Um, They have a talented team that I think it's a pretty great resource. Um, And then I follow legislators on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Oh, do you? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Twitter's hard for me. You know, obviously, I'm so verbose. I mean, to give me, what, 18 characters or 36 characters or whatever. (laughs) 280. (laughs) 
yeah. <laughs> 16. And, and definitely, you know, hands tied by my back with Twitter. Um, but, uh, okay, that's good. Um, okay, you know what? We have to take another break. That went fast. But um, let's come back and let's talk about Governor Inslee and his <laughs> political aspirations and Cyrus Habib. Do you even know who Cyrus Habib is? Because you should. And Ferguson. What's Ferguson's first name? Bob. Bob Ferguson. Interesting little triumvirate in our state legislature right now. All with their aspirations and interesting to talk about. So we're going to talk about that when we come back. And I'll watch these girls try to sidestep my appointed questions (laughs) (laughs) so they can preserve their jobs. (laughs) But we're we're going to talk about that when we come back after this break. You're listening to Valley Talk. And I'm Heather Stark on Valley 104.9 FM. Trade in those Monday blahs for Monday blues and rock and roll and folk and bluegrass and newgrass, jazzgrass and Americana in all its forms. All killer, no filler. Join me, Tom B., for a weekly trip across the musical map on Roots and Riffs every Monday evening from 7 to 9 p.m. here on Valley 104.9. Sunday evenings here on Valley 104.9 enjoy radio masterpieces from 9 to 10 where I, Bruce Kaplan, will transport you back to the wonderful memories of yesterday. You'll experience the greatest, most suspenseful mysteries of the golden age of radio. Be sure and tune in to Radio Masterpieces on Valley 104.9, Sunday evenings from 9 to 10. Welcome back to Valley Talk. You're listening to 104.9 FM, and I'm Heather Stark, your host and acerbic acerbic, uh, commentator on everything political in Washington State, apparently. I, I, I think I should have a crown. Don't you think I should have a crown with that written on it? I think, I think that would be good. Um, okay, we're going to talk about what I have just dubbed the triumvirate. Governor Inslee, Cyrus Habib, and Bob Ferguson. These are three big folks in our state, and I'm sure you've heard of Iman, or of... Um, uh, <laughs> I needed more sleep last night. I'm sure that you've heard of the Governor Inslee, and I'm sure you've heard of Bob Ferguson, and I'm not sure you've heard of Cyrus Habib. Do you know who Cyrus Habib is? How about Sarah? Can you explain who he is? He's the Lieutenant Governor of Washington. (laughs) Which means? Which means, are you talking about what you said earlier, about how he would step in? Yeah. He's the acting governor when Governor Inslee's Well, yeah. So with all this talk about Inslee, we all know the only one that... I, I mean, I can't imagine anybody who doesn't know that Governor Inslee is going to throw his hat in the ring for president, right? I mean, we know this. He hasn't announced, but they always like to be coy, you know, and, you know, enough, enough, enough. Just say it and get it out. Um, but he's going to run for governor. He thinks he's going to, uh, or for uh, president, he thinks he's going to have a, a great platform with his environmental stance. I don't know how that's going to fly in Nebraska and Kansas and Ohio, but that's what he thinks. So, okay, we'll see. Um, but while he's out in all these other states laying his groundwork for his presidential run, Cyrus Habib is the guy who's at home holding the, the crown as governor of the state. He's the one who steps in. Do you know anything about Cyrus Habib? Is he elected or appointed? Oh, gosh. I don't know. <laughs> See, this is my point. Nobody knows this guy. You know, I mean, yeah. if he's running my state, shouldn't he at least stand up and go, hi, my name is Cyrus, and I'm going to be running your state for the next four days, or, you know. I think that's really interesting. Yeah. I don't... It is interesting. I know, I mean, I know very little as far as, like, personal everything, but I do know that he has kind of an impressive resume, just his, his education and, and his background. Um but as far as what he's up to, like we get, you know, we're reporters, so we get press releases, we get, we learn about what elected officials are working on. And so as far as his big issues or what he's working on, I don't hear a lot. So I'm not, I don't know. What does a lieutenant governor do besides just sit and twiddle his thumbs until the governor's out of state? <laughs> he, he presides over, uh, yeah. I think, these formal occasions like the um, state of the state, typically. Mm. Um, and... I um, it's embarrassing, but I don't know a whole lot. No, but, and about this what is he my does. Point. Nobody yeah. knows. Yeah, 
Let's call Cyrus and say, hey, Cyrus, let me do an with Heather Stark. She'll, she's a nice lady. <laughs> <laughs> she wouldn't give you any lip at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's kind of an interesting thing that's going on. Because when Inslee is gone, Cyrus is our man. And I don't know Cyrus. I didn't vote for Cyrus. I don't even know that, that he ran for something. Do we vote for lieutenant governor? I, I'm not sure. I'm not either. God, how inj- it, how ignorant are we? Google it really quick. You know. <laughs> um, but now the interesting thing about this also then is that Bob Ferguson, who by all the gossip out there, wants to step into Inslee's shoes and be governor of our state after Governor Inslee becomes President Inslee. So he has political aspirations too. So we got these three guys down there in Olympia that are just, you know, double bubble toil and trouble around their, you know, crock pot with the steam coming out of it um, with all these plans and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, and I don't really know these guys. I will be honest, though, what I've read about Bob Ferguson, I don't like him very much. He doesn't seem like a very nice person to me. Have you guys read anything or seen it? Have you ever met him? Yeah, um, he spoke a couple weeks ago at our state of the sister site to Washington State Wire is State of Reform and it covers state-based health care. Um, it hosts conferences. There was a, sorry, state-based health care reform. Um, and he came and spoke at the conference a few weeks ago. What's and his personality like? How'd he hit you? Oh, you know, he's, he's pretty, like, personable. Like, he was very, very nice when I met him. And uh, when he spoke, he was uh, obviously... He's a he's a lawyer, so he's, so he's talking. He's very um, well spoken. Well, he's a lawyer and a politician, so you know that's kind of like a double whammy. Um, he certainly is not speaking like we are speaking here today, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they know they're they're wiser people than me. But I believe DJ Wilson, who's our uh, our boss, <laughs> he um, asked him a question about whether you would be running for governor, and I think that he said. What he's focused on right now is his job. Is that right? Oh, his yeah. job and, and his family. And his family. They always say that. And his family, yeah, but yeah. kind of with a gleam in his eye. So, <laughs> so read into the gleam. Yeah. I think rubbing his hands together while he was saying that, that, that was a hint probably, you know. But I don't know. I, I tend to be very judgmental. You know, my daughter says, I try not to judge. And she's one of the most judgmental people I know. But she tries not to judge. I judge. And I, you know, and I find that over the, over the years, I have a really well-defined spidey sense and i will meet some people and i'll think i don't like that person now it's not fair for me to say that the that about bob ferguson because i've never met him in person all i'm getting is you know what, what i'm reading and what i'm seeing and stuff so my spidey sense doesn't really work you know third third hand like that i have to actually meet him in person <laughs> but from what i'm seeing i'm thinking i don't know this guy's a little smooth and a little I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't think I like the guy. Now, Bob, if you want to call me and have a cup of coffee, you know, maybe we can change that opinion. But you know, <laughs> that's that's where I'm at right now. With, Did with, your uh, spidey senses tingle when we came in? Did you get? Did you no, get I'm, feelings? I'm fine about you. I go ahead and give you a hard time. <laughs> oh come on! You want to come back? You know you do. <laughs> Just don't let your boss hear the interview. Okay? <laughs> um, but you know, th- this is how people talk. You know, I mean, this is how people talk and how people think, and that's what I try to do on the show. I don't say anything that other people don't say. I don't say. I just say it out loud and with a mic in front of my face. That's all. Um, so okay. So, what do you guys think of the triumvirate? You think he's definitely going to run for president, and Ferguson is going to run for governor, and Cyrus is going to keep doing his Cyrus thing, or what do you think? Any any sense on that? I think this, for as far as Inslee running for president, I think all the signs are there. I think he hasn't formally announced it, but was it a Rolling Stone feature piece on him? Kind of basically said, I would run on climate, like that, you know, like without saying 100% yes, I'm running, all signs point to yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the magic eight ball. <laughs> <laughs> and then mm. with Ferguson, I think he's been a little more coy, but again, signs are pointing that way. He's 
you know, filed a lot of lawsuits against the Trump administration, kind of building um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a yeah, big yeah, resume, I mean, he, you know. Yeah, he's and, just trying to build his reputation with all that stuff. And, you know, making, putting his name out there more and everything. Yeah. So I think, again, signs are pointing to yes. As far as Cyrus mm-hmm. Aviv, as we've mentioned, we're kind of in the dark there. So I don't know. I don't know about <laughs> yeah. that. Well, you guys need yeah. to do a feature on it. Go interview him. Yeah. I you mean, know, I like that me. idea. That's a great idea. It's become apparent. Maybe I'll do that are, tonight. He's, He's our, Honestly, he's, he's our person in command. If anything happens to Inslee, if Inslee gets smacked by a bus tomorrow, guess what? It's Governor Cyrus Habib. Sarah, I'll, this is your next assignment. All right, I'm. I'll email his office. <laughs> okay. This evening. All right. Yeah, and then invite me to that interview. <laughs> you, know, you know, I'll be po- nice and polite. Uh-huh. You know, I will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- this is why I only did the the lobbying in Olympia for two years. <laughs> I can't take it. I'm too outspoken. Okay, so we have five minutes left to talk. What should okay. we talk about? What did I not ask you that you think is a burning issue? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I covered it all. Wow. Well, <laughs> boy, am I good. <laughs> burning issue. I mean, I don't know. Emily, do you got anything? <laughs> I have a question. What? Do you, is, is, is it look like this session is going to go into overtime? Hmm. Well, I'd, I mean, I think what generally keeps sessions long is money, right? Yeah. And I know that that's a very contentious issue, as as per usual. I don't know if that changes because there's one party in in power um, in both houses, or if that I don't know. I don't have good historical context. Yeah. I'm not sure. But yeah, yeah, that's interesting. You know, it's a good sign that things will move very quickly, and you know, uh, when, when you don't have an opposite viewpoint that has any kind of a majority. I always think that there should be a rule that whatever party is in one chamber, the other party should be in the other. Just so that we don't frivolously pass stuff just to mm-hmm. pass it. That's my, yeah, that's, my that is an issue I guess we could talk about is how, in, how, what dynamics will be like. I know that, um, when I've talked to, when I've talked, when I've talked <laughs> to democratic legislators, they've, uh, all sounded very open to Republican ideas. Um, oh, really? But then I don't know how that plays out in real life. Or they just say they're open or if to, it's, so, to Republican ideas. Yeah, so that's something I'm kind of like a like a f- um, phenomenon I'm keeping an eye on. <laughs> like, is that something that is real? Um, yeah. I mean, it, honestly, I think I think it could happen. But will it happen on big legislation like the climate um, yeah. legislation when they say, like, I think I, I talked to uh, – or I think – when Inslee had his press conference with Jerry Brown, mm-hmm. he had said, like, I think he had basically implied that if if you're ideologically opposed to action on climate change, that's not an idea that they're going to listen to. But if it's um, a so- another solution, another idea to work toward better environmental policy, in his view, then um, then they'd be open to that. So maybe mm-hmm. that's what changes. Maybe the framework just changes. I don't know. Or was, maybe it's just smoke and mirrors, and he wants to sound like he's open to new ideas, but he really is going to stick to his own. Guess See? we'll find out. See, mm-hmm. I am uh, acerbic and and jaded. That's what that's what happens. I've gotten jaded, um, but you know, I mean, I, it, none of it surprises me. None of it, you know. Um, maybe this is why they don't want old people in Congress because we've all heard it all before. You know, we were yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard that. And you know what? When I was a child on Time Magazine, there was a big picture. You look it up. There was a big picture of a an iceberg, and we were all going to die because of the coming ice age. Mm-hmm. Climate change was changing to ice age, and we were all going to die because of that. And now I'm going, okay, so now we're the ice is out, and now we're all going to sweat to death. And okay, hmm, I'll just be reserved about my opinion, okay? <laughs> I'll wait and see what happens. But, you know, what, who was it, Robert Frost, that said either ice or fire will get us? Okay, I'm you getting know, really esoteric. I, I know you said that you are avoiding Twitter, but you might actually you might actually like it. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, I like my ADD. <laughs> no, that's just where you know you get real talk, and it's straight from people. You know what I mean? Okay. Like it's more, it's it's quick. It's more, you know. Okay. Not All as right. thought out as a press release, or not as a. I don't know, formulated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. formulated. As like, well, I read yeah. your, some of your, a string of your Twitters. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I've been getting I more into it. I didn't do it. any of yours, Emily. Sorry. I'll get 
<laughs> I don't know. I, for me, but literally, I mean, for me, I'd be, be sitting there typing, 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 and then I'd run out of characters, and I go, "But I'm in the middle of my thought." That's what threads are for. One yeah. out of one out of fifty. Yeah. <laughs> three out of fifty. So, yeah. <laughs> so you just keep. Could be a novel. <laughs> you just keep 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 going, even though it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know something about. It. I'll look into it. Okay. I'll look into it. No, it could be. Who who does they have the. Who is that? That um, the the painter, Grandma Moses. I can be the Grandma <laughs> Moses of Twitter. Yeah, how's that? Maybe yeah. that could be your handle. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. GM Twitter. Um, actually, I have a Twitter account. I'm trying to remember what my name is. I don't use it. I don't use it. I think it's Heather Diva. Heather Diva. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I kind of like the you. idea of being yeah. a diva. Never have been, but I kind of like it. Yeah, it's kind of like I keep telling the guys here at the radio station, I need a crown. I want my crown. Where's my crown? <laughs> Still waiting for the crown. But what we're not waiting for is the end of the show. We've managed to talk for an hour here, ladies. Wow. Did you think you could do it when you came in here? I was intimidated. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. But, yeah. but there's a lot to talk about when it comes to state politics. Yes. <laughs> Especially when you're in a format where you can just say what you think. You guys, when you write, you have to be objective. I know that. But, you know, I don't have to be objective. I can just say whatever I think. And I do. And I like it. <laughs> <laughs> That's Heather.Stark at Valley1049.org. So if you want to complain, that's where you get to me. And if you want to listen to the show, it's on Sunday evenings at 7 and also on Tuesday evenings for a repeat. So thank you very much, Emily. Thank you very much, Sarah. I've enjoyed having you here with us, and I've enjoyed your insights. Please come back before the session's over. Let us know what's going on down there. Be our eyes and our ears. All right. Thank you. Yeah, thank okay. you very much. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Join us again next week. I'm Heather Strack on Valley 4.9.